Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Can we give the dads a hand? So as, um, as I said earlier, Father's Day is a good day, and it is always, um, it's always an honor for me to preach on Father's Day. And even when I'm not able to preach and someone else does, it's an honor for me to hear the word of the Lord. Father's Day is always a sensitive day as well, because as Pastor Robert said, you know, we don't want to forget the moms that have played both roles. And, and, and at the same time, as I speak to the dads, I don't want to in any way, shape, or form belittle the role of women. Amen? So I want to apologize up front because I am going to talk directly to the dads today, and it may sound like women don't matter. Women, you matter. Amen. Glory to God. If it wasn't for you, none of us would be here today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so we are thankful for all of the women, all the women of God. I'm a, I'm a man that um, for most of my childhood, my mom was a single mom, so I understand that struggle very well. Um, so I, I realize that, and, and I do want to be sensitive to that, but I do want to challenge the men in this place. And one of the things that I said a couple of weeks ago when I preached on Mother's Day, I said to the men in the room and to everyone else in the room, don't just check out mentally and say, well, this is a Father's Day message, so I'm not a father, so this doesn't apply to me. If you're a young man in this place, I pray that you will really hear what I'm going to say today and that you will really be challenged because one day, hopefully, if God is gracious enough, you will be a father. And my prayer is that this message will impact your life and that if you don't ever remember any other message you hear in church about being a dad, that you'll remember this one and that as you grow up, that you will become that dad. If you're a young woman, I pray that you will hear this, even if you're not married or anything like that, and that you would hear this because you need to look for some of these characteristics in the guy that you're going to decide to be the dad of your kids. Amen? I'm just saying, those are things that are really important. Um, and so for all of us in here, there's something in this message for us. As we look at Abraham's story here, um, I chose this scripture because of verse 19 in particular. But verse 19 declares, um, God is speaking. And just to give you some background history of what's occurring in this particular portion of scripture, this is when the angel of the Lord visits with Abraham and his wife. And he is getting ready to go to Sodom to bring destruction to that city for its immorality. And as the angel of the Lord is getting up, you know, God has a conversation with himself and he's like, listen, should I not tell Abraham what's going to happen? And so he decides he's going to communicate to Abraham. But in that conversation, he says this, he says, for I have known him. In some translations, it says, I have chosen him. And it says in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And I put on Facebook this morning on our, on our, on our page there, I said um, one of the most honorable things to be called is dad. One of the most um, honorable things to be called father, dad, papi, papa, whatever it is that your child calls you, that is a great honor and a great privilege. And I would even say that for those those of you who are um, parents or fathers of older children, if they're still calling you that at an older age, I think you've done a great job. Amen? You know, because you, because you have demonstrated what it is to be that dad throughout all of their life, and they're not just calling you this because they're a little child, but they've grown up and they still see you in that light. And so this morning what I'd say is that one of the most important jobs in the world that God has given to man is that of being a father. To me, when I look at this, this is one of the most important jobs. I'm not going to say the most. I'm not going to say that. But I will say one of the most important jobs that God has given is to us being a father. And one of the things that I can say is that when we look at the importance of a job, sometimes we can see how important it is when we look at the results of that job not being done. Let me say it to you like this. If your garbage people did not come around and pick up garbage, 
you would realize real quick in about a week, maybe two weeks, just depending on your level of garbage, you know, accumulation, you would realize how important their job is. Amen. Glory to God. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying that being a dad is like being a garbage man, but in some cases it is. Amen. I've taken out the garbage a lot this week. Glory to God. And so that is part of my job description. But nonetheless, the point of the matter is that when you look at what happens when a job is not done, you can see how important that job really is. And so what I did was I looked up the results of fatherlessness and, and, what are some of the statistics that are out there regarding this? And this is when it gets real sensitive because when I did this Google search and I was looking at statistics in America specifically, there were some um, websites that popped up and they're like, well, you know, you're going to hear these statistics about, you know, fatherlessness in our nation, but all it does, it, make, it makes um, women look bad and this and that. And that is not the goal in any way, shape, or form. And no woman should feel bad or feel less than or anything like that. If anything, men should feel like we need to step up. It's because this is not a bust on women. It's not because women aren't enough. And, 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 and listen, men, I, I, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, bash you either because I think that we have some good men in this church. Amen? I think that we have some good men here. I think that we have some men that are striving to be godly fathers, godly leaders. And so I thank God for that. But what we have to look at is not just in faith dome, but look at overall in general. It is not a thing that women are not enough. Is that men must step up. Men must take their position. Men must do what God has called them to do. And so some of the statistics are like this. Incarceration rates. When you look at the statistic for incarceration rates, it says young men who grow up in homes without fathers are twice as likely to end up in jail as those who come from traditional two-parent families. Those boys whose fathers were absent through the, from the household had double the odds of being um, incarcerated, even when other factors such as race, income, parent education, um, and urban residents were held constant. And so the point is, it wasn't about a poverty level. It was really looking at the statistic from the place of not having a dad in the home. This was one that I didn't realize. Suicide rates. 63% of, young, of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Behavioral disorders. 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. High school dropouts. 71% of all high school dropouts come from the fatherless homes. Educational attainment. Kids living in single-parent homes or in step-family homes report lower educational expectation on the part of their parents, less parental monitoring of the schoolwork, and less overall social supervision than from children from intact families. Juvenile detention rates. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. Confused identities. Boys who grow up in a father absent in father absent homes are more likely than those in father present homes to have trouble establishing appropriate sex roles and gender identities. Aggression. In a longitudinal study of 1,197 fourth grade students, researchers observed greater levels of aggression in boys from mother-only households than from boys and mother-father households. Achievement. Children from low-income, two-parent families, listen to what I just said, low-income, two-parent families, not rich, this is lower income, you would expect less to come out of there, two-parent families outperform students from high-income single-parent homes. Almost twice as many high-achievers come from two-parent homes as one-parent homes. Delinquency. 
Only 13% of juvenile delinquents come from families in which the biological mother and father are married to each other. By contrast, 33% have parents who are either divorced or separated, and 44% have parents who were never married. And the, last, and the last statistic will be in criminal activity. The likelihood that a young male will engage in criminal activity doubles, doubles if he is raised without a father and triples if he lives in a neighborhood with a high concentration of single-parent families. So here's the truth. The truth is that we can't deny the statistics. We can say maybe some of the things are off and that's fine. But I think that if we look in general, we would know that most of these things are accurate. I was, at a, I was at a graduation, and I say this because I do want to applaud the moms that have done a great job. But in this graduation, I was listening to, you know, the class valedictorians and all of the um, young people that spoke. And all of them, except for one young man, thank their dads. And the last young man that was up there, I believe, was a Hispanic young man. I listened because I was listening really careful. I wanted to hear this, and it wasn't because I was, it was just, you know, the Holy Spirit, I guess, at the moment, because I really don't pay attention to all of those speeches so closely. But for whatever reason, I was listening. And I was like, you know, this kid is thanking his mom and his dad. This kid thanking his mom and his dad. This kid thanking his mom and his dad. And then there came this one young man, and he said, I want to thank my mom. And then he went down and said to thank his sisters and all this and that. And then he said something that was amazing. So, first of all, I want to applaud the moms. Give the moms a hand again. Moms did a great job making sure this young man was graduating from high school, valedictorian in his class. But then he said this, and I want to thank my uncle so-and-so. I want to say something. It becomes so very important that you as a man in this place, that you may not be. I was having a conversation in that exact graduation, and I was talking to a man who, you know, who was, who was praying to God about having children and things like that and really desires that, but God has not granted him that privilege for himself. And when I was talking to this man, I was sharing with him, and, and I was telling him about another man that he led to Jesus. He led this man to Jesus, and now this man is a father of children, and he is raising his children in the, in, in, in the, in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. And I said, you have to understand something, that while God may not have granted you direct children at this moment, you are part of that legacy. And so the point of the matter is, is that don't ever think that your nephew or, you know, the kid up the block that has no dad or whatever, that you cannot be an influence in their life. You can be that person who was that father figure that they lacked. I remember me growing up as a, as, as a young man. I didn't, like I said, I didn't know my father. Uh, mom was single, was, was a single mom at this time, had uncles and, and my grandfather who I loved dearly and thank God for them. And I remember that in, I was a Royal Ranger. And this is the reason why, for those of you that know me um, and have heard me talk about this, I was really passionate about us having the Royal Ranger program in this church. And there was a reason. And it was because when I was in Royal Rangers, I don't remember the knots they taught me to tie. Hello. I don't remember most of the pledges they had me remember. I, you know, I remember some of them because, you know, we repeated them every week. Um, I don't remember much about the camps that we went to. I remember the real cold water that was coming one time out of a cooler because they didn't have running water. And so they put water in a cooler and they were like, go ahead and use it. And they didn't warm it up. Glory to God. I remember that. But the greatest thing that I remember about being a Royal Ranger was one day the, um, we were coming back from a camp. And when we came back from this camp, our commander, the main commander of Royal Rangers was Bill. And I remember coming out of that camp and I was like, man, can you adopt me? 
And I was like, man, I wish you were my dad. And so the point of the matter was, this guy impacted my life in a deep way because he showed me this love. And so the point that I want to make is that we cannot deny the statistics, but we can commit to being the types of fathers who God commands us to be, expects us to be, and empowers us to be. And also, don't just look at our immediate family, but look at where God has positioned us for us to help influence the lives of those younger people that are coming up. Amen? In our efforts to quantify the value of women and mothers, we cannot nullify the value of fathers. And so today, the title of the message is Dad Matters. Dad Matters, and I'm going to use dad as an acronym to go through this. And the first one I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Dad Matters matters. for overall development, development. not just corrective discipline. Dad matters for overall development, not just corrective discipline. A lot of times what we have seen is when we talk about our dads, you know, our dad was the one that he was going to come home and he was going to lay the smack down if we were acting up, right? Like, oh, wait till your dad gets home. And that's cool because us as dads, I think we want that. Amen? But we don't only want that. We don't only want to be the one that is like, wait till dad gets home. We also want to be the one, but wait till dad gets home. You understand what I'm saying? Not just the one like, you wait till dad gets home, but I can't wait for dad to get home. I can't wait for my father to be home. My dad, my dad told me because my father left, uh, left our house when I was around um, two or three years old, um, around two, I think. And one of the things that he told me was, he said, I used to sit by the door, okay, when he was going to come home. I was, he had to be careful opening the door because I was sitting so close to the door waiting for him to walk in the door. Right, And so today, my dad and I have a great relationship. I don't remember that stuff. The point of the matter was, he must have been a good dad because I was excited to see him. Hello. Some people don't want to come out of their room when their dad comes home. They have no excitement to see their dad. And I don't know if that's the dad's fault or their fault. The point of the matter is, it should not be like that. And so when we look at dads, we're responsible for overall development. Don't, don't just depend on mom to be the primary teacher and mom to be the primary instructor and mom to be the primary person to pray with the kids and mom to be the one to show them how. No, you and I as dads need to be the ones who say, wait a second, I'm part of the overall development of my child. I have to be part of that. And what God does here with Abraham is he says that he chose Abraham in some versions and my version as I read here it says that he knew Abraham meaning that he knew him intimately through foreknowledge God had a foreknowledge of Abraham he knew Abraham before the foundation of the world he knew what he was going to do he knew what he called Abraham to do and if you notice in the preceding verses what Abraham is is, or what God is saying about Abraham is he is going to be the source of blessing to many nations he is going to be a blessing and in that In order for him to be able to be a blessing, he was going to have to lead his family faithfully. He was going to have to develop his family. He was going to have to develop his his family in the righteous things. It says so they would do righteousness and justice so that way they would walk into the blessing that God wanted for them. And so he knew him intimately through foreknowledge that he was going to lead his family into blessing. And notice this. If you read Abraham's history, like if you took this portion, verse 19, and you were like, this describes Abraham, you would be like, "He he is an amazing guy. But then you keep reading the story of Abraham, and you see all of the bad decisions that he makes you be like wait a second I thought that he was the one that God knew that was going to lead his family faithfully and all of this stuff and he still made these these bad decisions and here's the point the point is that God is not looking for perfect men he is looking for faithful followers of himself He's looking for men who will be faithful disciples, who will follow Jesus, and out of their relationship and following Jesus, they will raise their families. That's what God is looking for in us. 
The development of our children must be holistic, meaning it must be spiritual, it must be emotional, it must be practical. The reason why I love this video that we watched here when I watch, you know, when I watch the video by myself is because I saw all of the different areas that dad was involved in. He wasn't just involved in just the spiritual thing. He wasn't just involved in just the emotional thing. He wasn't just involved in just the academic stuff. He was an all-around dad who was involved in all areas of development. And that's what we have to be involved in. We have to be consumed with saying, okay, God, I want to be part of the development of my children. We can't be one-dimensional and and our development must come out of. And let me say this, and I want to reiterate this as many times as possible. When we talk about developing our children, it's not about, and, and, and I can give you tons of good advice that I received as growing up, but one of the bad pieces of advice that I got was, do as I say, not as I do. That's bad advice. If you want your kids to be people of prayer, you exemplify prayer. If you want your children to be those who are in the Word of God, you be in the Word of God. One of the things that blessed my life, I remember when my daughter Alexis was very young, um, and, and I, I've always um, closed my door, and I've probably shared this with you before, but I closed the door in the study to pray. I, I, know, I, I closed it, and that way, you know, everybody knows I'm in there praying. Well, Alexis is like, you know, one, two years old. She just walks. She doesn't know what the door closed means. All she knows is daddy's on the other side. And so I'll be in my room and I'll be praying and my daughter would open up the door. And when she would open up the door, I would grab her up and sit her on my lap and I would pray over her every single time that she did that. This morning, and it was by accident, I totally left the door open in the study as I was praying, preparing for the service today. And she was there. So she obviously didn't walk in my room and sit on my lap. Hello. You know, she just came in the room. She closed the door. But I thank God for that because she, I want her to be a young woman who prays. And it doesn't mean that she saw me praying and went and jumped on her face and started praying. That isn't what happened. The point of the matter is that... That she will know that daddy's not asking me to pray because he doesn't pray. He asked me to pray out of his prayer life. He asked me to pray from this place. And so it's important for us to make sure that we are part of that. That we sit down and that we consider, okay, God, I want to be an example. I want to live out my faith with, for my children as part of their development. As fathers, our children may fear us, like I said, wait till daddy gets home. But it is our job to be sure that they respect us. Not just afraid of us, but that they respect us. And even more importantly than respecting us is that they truly reverence God by understanding who God is, what he commands and expects of us, and by really understanding what the gospel is. And can I tell you something? Your kids will never know who God is apart from you and I teaching them who God is. As they're growing up, it is our job. And listen, I love and I thank God and I appreciate every person that serves in children's ministry. I appreciate, you know, everyone who serves in youth ministry. And all of that is all great, but they are not the primary disciplers of our children. And if you are a single parent, then it is all on you. But if you are a dad in this place, should I say if you're a single mom, then it is all on you at this moment. But we are here to help you and support you, and we want to assist you in helping your children grow. As with parents that are are mom and dad together. But if you are a dad in this place, I want you to feel the weight of the burden that you are called to be the pastor of your sons and daughters. You are called to be the pastor of your home. You are called to be, what do you, I I want you to think about this. Let's feel the weight of this. What do you expect of me as the pastor in this church? You expect me to pray, don't you? Say amen if you expect me to pray. I hope you all are like, amen, Bishop, you better be praying. I hope you hope I pray. that, That should be like a prerequisite for pastors that they pray. So you hope that I'm praying. You hope that I'm in the word of God. You hope that I'm studying my Bible, right? You hope that I'm living out the gospel, right? You hope that I'm not being a hypocrite, right? 
Okay, so all of the things you hope for me and you expect of me, all, anything that you say, bishop should be doing that. Dad, you should be doing that. And I'm not saying mom shouldn't be doing that because mom, you should be doing that as well. But I'm talking to the dads, right? And so dad, you should be the man of prayer. You should be the man leading your family in prayer. It doesn't mean mom can't lead in prayer when you're not there. It doesn't mean mom can't do But you as the dad should be the one that says, I take full responsibility for my home and being led the way that it should be. I'm the one who's making sure that I'm leading, that I'm in the scriptures. You can't teach someone the Bible if you're not learning it yourself. Right, And so you want your children to do things. You want your children to be a certain way. So it's important for us to make sure that we take the initiative and that we say, okay, God, I want to be part of the development. I want to be part of my child's development. And you know what? If you're, you're, your child is in school, you know, I mean, for me, you know, y'all have heard me before. I'm not the best at math. Glory to God. I want my daughter to be able to add correctly. Praise Jesus. So I will make sure that I go to her mom with those situations that I can't work with. But with other stuff, we'll sit down and we'll go over that. If, you know, talking about history, because I can read history. I know how to read. Amen. Glory to God. I can work with her on that. We can, we can, you know, quiz on that stuff. We can go. I want to help her grow in those areas. When we deal with other stuff, I've told you all the story where she asked me a while back, you know, about Harry Potter and this and that. And we went through the Bible. We said, okay, well, this is what the Bible says. And this is why we have a position on a certain thing, because this is what the scriptures teach, helping her learn how to live out her faith practically. Not just saying it's not enough for us to just say, well, just don't do that. Why not do that? Why can't we do that? Or why should we do that? Why should I evangelize? Why should I tell people about Jesus? Why should I communicate? Why should I be sensitive? Why shouldn't I laugh at people? Why should See, all of these things come into play. And so me, as a dad, I should take responsibility for that. Again, I'm not saying that mom doesn't have responsibility. But what I am saying is, dad, you have responsibility. You've been called to be this leader in your home and to raise your child up to make sure they understand who God is. Make sure they understand what he commands, what he expects of us, and that they truly understand the gospel. The second thing in this acronym is, say this with dad matters, for affirmation. The first thing dad matters for is development. The second thing dad matters for is affirmation. If you turn your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. When you got it, say so. Hold your place there in Ephesians chapter 6 and turn over a couple of books to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. We'll read these scriptures together. When you got it, say so. All right, so Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, And you, fathers, say fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So the first thing he says here, he gives you two commands. One command is the negative part. It says, do not what you are not supposed to do. And then the second part of the command is what you're supposed to do. So you do not provoke your children to wrath. Second thing is you bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Turn to Colossians chapter um, 3 and verse 21. And this will give us a, a really good picture of what it means to provoke our children. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged, or one translation says, to lose heart. And so the two New Testament directives to fathers in regards to parenting specifically is one, not to provoke or to exasperate your children. The second part is to raise them up and, and to bring them up in a certain way. 
And so how, do, how is it that we provoke or we exasperate our children? I'll give you a couple of examples. One would be for us to overwhelm them with unrealistic expectations. When you teach your children the gospel, when you teach your children about the commands of God, some of these things are impossible apart from the gospel. Like when they have to forgive someone that has hurt them, when they have to do those things, those things are impossible for you to do all on your own. It's just not going to happen. The grace of God is necessary. When you're teaching your children, I mean, for some kids, you know, as they're growing, I don't know, like some, some, um, um, some psychologists say that kids don't even understand the concept of sharing until they're like three. So that's like an impossible command. Hello, somebody. For some kids, that's, that's difficult, okay? But you're patient with them. You don't beat them up because they don't understand it. You, you build them up and you help them to come to that place of understanding. So when we are, we, we, we have these unrealistic expectations of our children. How about being, how about being too lawful and not merciful en- enough? Too law, you're just full of law. I mean, you're just law, 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 law. Now listen, I'm all law. I, 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 all day long, I'm like, you know, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. But the question is, do I show mercy when my laws are not complied with? Because if I don't show any mercy, if I never show mercy, then you know what happens is I exasperate my children. If I don't show mercy, I never show the love, the kindness. I never show the mercy of God. Because you know what? If anybody in this room is really, really real, I want you to think about how much you have not obeyed the commands of God in your life. And how good and how merciful has he remained to you. Has he just written you off? Has he just never? Has he, I mean, I mean you, you know you deserve a lot of stuff that you haven't experienced. Hello. I'm just saying, I don't know, but maybe y'all are perfect. Not me. I know that there is some stuff that I should, there's some stuff I shouldn't have in my life, glory to God, that I have just because he's merciful. It wasn't because I prayed enough. It wasn't because I fasted enough. It wasn't because I was good enough. It was just because he was God enough. Hello. It wasn't because of anything that I did. I failed. I didn't pray, didn't fast, didn't obey. I was messed up. And he still said, here you go, son. Just because you're my son. And listen, that's scary waters for me. But anyway, the point of the matter is because I'm like, man, I could be treading on waters of hypocrisy and I don't want to be that. And so I don't stay stuck in that place. Why is that? Is it because I'm so fearful of God's wrath? Well, there's a fear of his wrath, but there's something else. He has been so good to me, so merciful to me. I don't want to continue to dishonor him. I don't want to continue to disrespect him. And when I am a father who shows the law, but also shows mercy, I don't exasperate my child, but I... I admonish them, I build them up, and I affirm them so that way they know the love of a father. Very important for me as a dad, very important for you as a father to be able to do that. So I can have unrealistic expectations, I can be too lawful and and, and not merciful enough. Or how about this one, I can always find what could have been better in what they did instead of acknowledging their effort. You know, I, I, I was sitting at a, at a recital the other day, and as I was sitting at this, my daughter's recital, and, you know, I, I thank God. My daughter, she's, you know, she sings beautifully. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't listen to her and hear like a bunch of mistakes. But I wonder if there would be a difference between the way dads listen at a recital and moms listen at a recital. I'm just saying, I don't know. I could be totally wrong on this, but I think moms probably listen with their heart a little bit more than dads, Right? I'm just saying, I'm assuming this, you know, like, like you know, mom, and, and, and it's not to say I don't listen to my heart, because I, I, I cry, I get emotional and all that stuff, but if my child is up there hitting all, every wrong note on the planet, 
Like I'm saying, like they're in the key of A and, he, and she's in the key of C. That's, that's the wrong place to be. And she is just riffing where she shouldn't riff and she's going up or she should go down. If that were to be happening, I don't think I'd be crying for the right reasons. Hello. I'm just, that's just me. And so, so the point is, right, we can come in, and, and I use that example because we can come into a place, and as dads, all we do is see where you call it outside the line. You got to be in the line here. All we see is, well, you, you know, you could have done this better or done that better. Instead of acknowledging your effort, acknowledging you did your best, amen? And so we as dads can become overwhelming and we can exasperate our children. So what do I mean by all of this? To affirm our children doesn't mean to feed their ego or self-esteem in an unbiblical manner, but to build them up with a Christ-centered focus on their value. In other words, God created you with value. Amen? It's called the Imago Dei, the image of God. Everyone, hear what I'm about to say, everyone on planet Earth right now, believer or not, carries Imago Dei. Everyone carries the the goodness you see in people that don't know God. That's the image of God. It doesn't mean God is. It doesn't mean God is pleased with them. It just means the image of God dwells in them, and that part of Him comes out of them. That's all that it is. And so there is some value that is there. God creates you. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so there are some things that need to be communicated, and our children need to be affirmed. Here is the reason why this becomes so very important. Because if we fail at this, our children will seek affirmation and identity in unhealthy ways. If we do not make sure that we affirm them correctly, if we do not make sure that we show them about the image of God that is in them, and we don't show them about who they are in Christ as they submit their life to him, if we don't do that, our children don't get the right place where they find their identity. And then they look for affirmation. You wonder, you know, when I was growing up, you know, you would always see these, these nice girls, right, with these horrible guys. What do you think that was from? Because, there, because, because I will tell you what, it wasn't every single girl. There were some girls who knew what their worth was, and they wouldn't give that horrible guy the time of day. Hello. There were some, not all of them, but there were some that they knew that. And listen, I can't tell you because I didn't ask, like, hey, is your dad good to you? I, I didn't ask all those questions. But I, I, I'm going to assume that part of that was someone, whether it was dad, mom, uncle, aunt, grandpa, whoever it was, someone was speaking into their lives in an affirming way where that girl did not need to be affirmed by some idiot. I said it. Amen. Pray for him. Here's the point. The point is, okay, the point is, why do we do those things? Why, why, why do we need that? Because we didn't get that at home. Even as young men, as young, when, when we teach our sons what being a man is, and, and, and forgive me if this sounds vulgar, he is not going to try to see how many women or how many girls he can take their virginity or he can have his way with them so he can prove his manhood. He's not going to have to go out there and start gangbanging to prove that he's a man because he'll stand. He won't need to do all of that stuff because he has the right image. He had the right affirmation. So he's not finding his manhood in the wrong things. He understands that being a man opens a door for a woman. That's what shows being a man. He, he, he knows that being a man is being respectful and honoring women and, 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 and being able to do it. He understands those things. 
Brother Lewis was talking the other day. He posted on Facebook, so he made it public, so I make it public here as well. But he was, he was teaching his son about defending himself and standing up for himself. And, and then he was going through his devotional. It was with your son, right? It was his devotional book. And the book was teaching his son how to turn the other cheek. So he was, like, super convicted because in a moment ago, he was like, son, you know, if he hits you, you hit him back and you know, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden he's going through this, you know, and he's not over here telling his son to be a brawler. The point is, you know, he's just like any man. <laughs> Maybe he was. But anyway, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, he's just like any man that has boys. You want to you wanna tote that line. You want to make sure that your boy is a man, that he's not a coward, but at the same time, you don't want him to be a bully. Hello? So, so, so dads, don't accept, well, at least he's not a wimp. No. That's not, that's not the right mindset. You got to make sure that he knows what a man is. And so the point is, he's teaching his son how to defend himself. But then Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, hey, man, Lewis, teach your son how to turn the other cheek. Teach your son to know when to walk away because it takes a bigger man, all that. That's not true. It is true. It takes a bigger man to walk away from something than to go ahead and bring instigation to, to, you know, to the scenario. But if we don't affirm our children the right way, they'll try to find their identity and stuff. Because you know what kids want? I can tell you this right now. Growing up, one thing that I know is that I played football. Okay, when I played football, I played for two years and for my first year and all the way through my second year in football, nobody, listen to what I just said, no one came to a football game or to a practice. I played hard because I liked the sport. The last game of my season is when I met my, my biological father. And at that time, that is when the guy that my, that my mother was together with, everyone decided to show up to that game because my dad was coming. So everyone showed up to the last game. And I can tell you something. I never ran as hard. I never hit as hard. I never played as hard as I did that last game. And you want to know why? Because I wanted my dad to hear me wherever he was in the bleachers. I wanted him to be like, that's my son. I wanted to come off there and hear him say, you did a great job. And you know what? Anybody in this place knows. They know that it's something about getting the affirmation of a male. I'm not belittling mom. I need you to be honest with yourself. Okay, because it's different. Moms are nurturers. Moms are, it's expected to come from them. But when a man who's not like that comes out and says, you did a good job, that does something to the heart of, of a child. It does something to a heart of a person. And we just have to be real about that. And so as men, we need to go on ahead and make sure that we are affirming our children to make sure they, raise, they, they are being raised up with the right mindsets. Amen? Amen. To affirm our children. It doesn't, it, um, or, I'm sorry, the fact that God says we can provoke, I love this, because I thought about this. It says that we should not provoke, which means to arouse to anger. It means, and it also says in Colossians, in, in, in Ephesians, it is the word provoke, which means arouse to anger. When you arouse someone to anger, that's stirring up big emotions, right? Amen? When you exasperate someone, which is, is another translation in, in the book of Colossians, what exasperate means is it means to stir them up. Again, it's stirring up emotion. And what I realize is this, is that the fact that God says we can provoke or exasperate our children in a negative way means that we can also do the opposite. If we can discourage our kids and make them not want to do anything and make them want to give up and make them feel like they're inadequate, then we can do the opposite. We can build our children up. We can raise them up. We can encourage them and empower them to do the things that God has called them to do. Amen? And so as dads, it becomes so important for us to learn to harness this power for the affirmation and motivation of our children. The third thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Dad matters. For direction, not just directives. 
So dad, you're important to development, you're important to affirmation, and you're important to direction. And the reason why I make the distinction between direction and directives is because I can sit here, you can walk in the door and ask me, where's the restroom? And I can say, go there, make a right, first door on the right. Or I can walk with you. I can walk you to the bathroom and I can show you that's where it is over here. I can bring you to that place. And listen, for some of you are like, well, you gave direction. Here's the point. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about verbal cues. I'm not talking about verbal instruction. I'm talking about really directing, really walking. See, because it's easy to give rules to obey and principles to live by, but it's a totally different thing to lead by example and walk with your children into their destiny. It is a totally different thing to just say, son, you should pray. It's a different thing to pray with your son. It's, it's one thing to say, you know, daughter, you should be in the scriptures. It's another thing to teach your daughter the scriptures. It's one thing to tell your child you need to study. It's another thing to sit up there and study with them. It's a totally different thing. It's one thing to say you should do this and another thing to go with them while they do it. And, 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 and what happens is godly fathers learn. We have to learn something. The way that this happens is we learn how to give birth. Now, I said this on Mother's Day. I said moms because I wanted to encourage the moms and make them understand that you are the ones who know how to give birth. Men do not physically know and will never know how to do that. Amen? Amen. So what happens is spiritually, a woman can tap into that type of emotion, intensity that a man may have never known. But I want you to mark a scripture. You don't have to turn there. You can mark it down. It's the book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. And what the Apostle Paul says, he is speaking to the church of Galatia, and he is telling them that he is again in labor pain over them until Christ is formed in them. What he is saying is that he is like the position of a mother having or giving birth to a child. This is the way that he was over the church. These were his spiritual children, not his physical children. He wasn't talking about kids that he saw from the womb that he was raised up. He's not talking about the ones that he bounced on his knee. He's not talking about the ones that he birthed. He's not talking about the ones that he changed their diaper. He's simply talking about the ones that he preached the gospel to. They responded, and now he was their spiritual father. And he had a burden for them that was equivalent to that of a woman in birth and labor pain. And so for us as men, here's what has to happen for us. We have to come to that place that we learn. And, and, and I, I'm not talking about, um, you know, philosophically, like how do we do it? Like how do you breathe? No, I'm not talking about all of that. I'm talking about we have to learn to get into God's presence over our children to the degree that we are burdened and we are broken. And that we sense such a pain for our children's lives that we do not give up in the place of prayer the same way that the apostle Paul didn't give up in the place of prayer for the Galatian church. And listen, that is difficult for us as men because we are the type that we want to fix it. You know, it's broke. I'll fix it. Let me put it back together. You know, you bring a problem to us. We want to give you the solution and move on. We don't want to think about it too long. We want to get past that, move on to the next task. But here's the thing. Prayer is something, especially over our children, that for me, and I'll tell you this honestly, it's something that begins way before our kids are born if we're wise. And it's something that will continue. I don't know this part yet, but for you parents that have children that have left your homes, it continues way after your children leave your home. Until you see the purposes of God in their lives being accomplished. 
Godly fathers learn to birth in the spirit. The destinies of their children, even as Paul was in labor pain over his spiritual children. Our children's destiny must be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ and his character being formed in them. Formed in them. The most important thing is to make sure that we are praying over our children. That we are praying for them. Not just God bless them. Not just God be with them. Not just God direct them. No, but that we are interceding. That we are entering to a position like we were them. And that we pray for them. And above all things, that we join with the great intercessor and the high priest of our faith, which is Jesus. And that we pray over our children for what? The most primary and basic thing is that they would come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is. Because if our children accomplish everything and don't know him, they haven't accomplished what really matters. If they accomplish all of their goals in every area but never bow their knee to Jesus, then we need to take that personally, church. Dads, we need to take that personally. And it does not mean that we shove the gospel down their throat. Here's one thing that I have learned as, I have, as I'm watching my daughter grow and as being a youth pastor and watching people. The younger that your children are, the more you're able to spoon feed them the gospel. And so children, parents with children that are younger, you need to be intentional. You need to be on that. Don't wait until they're smart enough or big enough because by that time, you're not going to have the same ability because they're not going to be trying to hear that like that i'm just saying the truth you can take whatever but here's 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 the point the point is as they grow you have less of that ability to be able to do what you should have been doing here but here's what happens as they grow your prayer life should change for them as you see them you know this dad right we saw the video girl is sitting in the room i love that part that was amazing she's sitting on there homie broke up with him he's like thank you god Because he's praying for his daughter, right? Because his daughter is making decisions that he probably didn't want her to make in the first place, but he's trying to navigate. And I'm not saying, you know, anything about when people should start dating. That's not what I'm saying. That wasn't why I played that. I'm trying to make a point for you. The point is, dad was praying for his daughter. And because I'm assuming, you know, because that's a video and we don't know the, the, the truth of what would have happened in that scenario. But what has to happen is while my child is young, younger, as they're growing, I speak into their life, I communicate. But as they get older, I have to let that word that is in them. It doesn't mean I stop preaching to them. Hello? It doesn't mean I stop communicating the gospel to them. It doesn't mean I stop sharing the truth with them. It's that I need to be wise as I continue to grow with them, as they continue to grow. And I need to be very circumspect at when I'm going to speak and when I'm going to allow my child to grow and make some decisions. And, and, and hey, everybody's going to make bad decisions. Are you with me here? And so what we do as parents, especially as dads, and, I, and listen, I'm telling you this, and I'm telling you all, y'all need to start praying for me now. Because I'm going to rebel against my own advice that I'm giving you all right now. I'm just letting you know. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. Because I love my daughter to death. Glory to God. And, 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 I, and, and, and I do not want to see her make any bad decisions. But you know what the truth is? She's going to make them. And I have to walk with her through them. And I have to be gracious. And I can't just be lawful. And I have to make sure that I understand one thing. My, 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 my primary goal is for her to grow in the character of who Jesus is. My primary goal. And so now at the age of she, I pour into her, pour into her, pour. And I keep on. But as she grows, she's got to grow into that maturity. 
She's got to grow into that place where she becomes the woman of God, the young woman of God that God wants you to be. And so for us, that's what we do. We birth in prayer. We pray over them. We, and, then, and then we enter into times of fasting. We enter into times where we really say, you know what, God, you have to deal with their heart because it becomes a heart issue. Hello. It's always been a heart issue. It just becomes more evident as they get older. Amen. And so who changes hearts? Let me ask you a question. Do laws change hearts? Ask any advocate for any law that's out there. They're like, laws don't change hearts, so it doesn't matter what the law is. Listen, laws prevent us from doing certain stuff. Hello. When something is illegal, less people do it. Amen? I'm just saying. When it's illegal, less people are doing stuff that is illegal. That, that's just, it doesn't mean nobody's, you know, that doesn't mean that nobody's not doing that, or, or it doesn't mean that nobody is not participating in that activity. But what it means is that less people do it. Laws don't change the heart. It is God alone who changed the heart. And so as we lovingly pray for, counsel, and speak into the lives of our kids as they get older, then what we will see is we will see God's gracious hand working in their lives. Amen? The last thing I'll say on this point is fathers must be burdened to see their children come to know Jesus and follow him into their purpose. It is important that as dads that you obviously are not just concerned with them coming to know Jesus, but also that they live a life that brings glory and honor to Jesus. And the way that they do that is by learning what their purpose is. It's by learning what their destiny is. What is it your child is called to do? What is it your child has been called from before the foundation of the world? From the womb, your child has been separated for something. And see, I love when I read stories like I look at, you know, Abraham and the way that he was, you know, for his son Isaac and wanting to see God's will fulfilled in his life. But I love when you fast forward and you look at this guy by the name of Jacob and he has a wife and her name is Rachel and Rachel is getting ready to die or she's giving birth to her last son and she is going to die because of a hard labor. And when she is giving birth to her last son, as she's giving birth to him, as she is passing away, she names him Benoni. And what that means, it means son of my sorrow. And the Bible says that Jacob says, no, he is going to be named Benjamin, son of my right hand. And what he did was he said, I refuse to allow my child's life to be marked by sorrow. I'm the dad. And and I know she was in sorrow and I know she was in anguish and I loved her and she died. But that is not going to determine the destiny of my son. My son is going to be a child of blessing. My child is going to be a child of blessing. And so what happens to us is that, man, people speak negative stuff over our children. People do that, and they, whether realizing it or not. And so we as dads take that position as primary intercessor over our children, and we speak blessing over their life, and we rebuke the curses, and we communicate. When we named our daughter Alexis... You know, we could have named her a bunch of different things. But what we did was we sat down and we prayed over this. And like, God, what do you want her name to be? And we looked at all these other names. And my wife, as she was growing up, as she was not necessarily growing up, but when she was in her, you know, high school, college years, she said she was going to name her daughter Bianca Loren. Hello. This is an amazing, amazing name, right? That, that, that was the name. She loved the name, the way it rolled off her tongue and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, babe, I don't know if Bianca Loren is going to be the name. And so, you know, we began to look up what names meant. And I don't know what Bianca or Loren means. You can look that up. But anyway, the point is, she, she says, and I'm going to give her credit. She's not here right now, but I'm, I'm going to give her credit. She says she came up with the name Alexis. I know one day I was like, I think we should name her Alexis. Maybe it was, you know, her. She said it to me. And what happened was I looked the name up, and it meant helper of mankind. 
And I said, man, I want my daughter to be a helper. And if any of you know her well enough, that is what my daughter does. She is a helper. It doesn't mean every girl on the planet needs to be named Alexis. Hello. Find a different version of helper. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here's the point. The point is, we didn't just name her just, you know, because we thought it was a cute name. We didn't do that. We thought about it because we knew we were speaking into her destiny, into her future. And so everything that I do is about what? It's about bringing glory and honor to Jesus. And when it comes to her life, I want to see God's purpose and his will fulfilled in her life. And that should be the heart of every father in this place. Amen? The last thing, and I close with this here. As a father, are you committed to being a father that matters in the areas that count? As a father, to all the fathers in the room, are you committed to being a father in the areas that count? Are you committed to that? And if you're not, I call you to repentance. And if you don't know what those areas are, I will be more than happy to sit down with you and we can talk about what really matters. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet and let's pray together.